0: This morning is the second in a three-part series I started last week on why the church, why religion, why do we need communities of faith? It stems from a conversation I had with um, daughter Amanda one day several months ago when she was asking me that question. Being in her, I guess, mid-30s, she fits right into the social group known as nuns, that is when asked if they are religious, they put down nun for their religion, or they may declare themselves to be spiritual but not religious. Amanda would not do that, but she's curious about why there's been such a movement in that direction by so many young people. And so I told her that I would have to think about it, and in thinking about it, I decided I might as well do a series about it. So, this is to you and to Amanda. Last week, we looked at the hard work of what it means to reconcile with others in the church, and that is to say that no one in the church is ever meant to be excommunicated. That, to my in my opinion, is a profane word. No one in the church is meant to be excommunicated. No matter what, as Jesus understood it, and as He understood His disciples and us, we are called to do whatever we can to bring the person who feels excommunicated. Maybe they've done something wrong and they feel judged. Maybe they're just embarrassed or shamed. Maybe they don't know how to apologize or confess or find forgiveness. Whatever the case, last week was, go to them and tell them they're forgiven, come back. And if that doesn't work, take two people from the church. And if that doesn't work, take the whole church with you Bring them back into relationship. Reconciliation is so important. This week, it's about how do you get there. That means it's about forgiveness. Something I know you really don't struggle with. Yeah, we all do. This week's passage puts even more of the burden on those who claim to be Christ-like and to follow Christ's way to carry the burden of forgiveness. Now, forgiveness and reconciliation are cousins, but not siblings. You have to have forgiveness and confession in order to also have reconciliation. So here now the word as it comes to us from Matthew 18, 21 through 35. Again, in the translation, I think best for this part, the message. Oh God, open up to us the meaning of this word and help our ears hear. In Christ's name, amen. After the conversation with Jesus about reconciliation with the disciples, the next passage says At that point, Peter got up the nerve to ask, Master, how many times do I forgive a brother or sister who hurts me? Seven times? Jesus replied, Huh, seven? Hardly. How about seven times seven D? Seven times seven D. What does that work out to? 490? And Jesus says, The kingdom of God in this parable is like a king who decided to square accounts with his servants. He got underway. One servant was brought before him who had run up a debt of $100,000. He couldn't pay up. So the king ordered the man, along with his wife, children, and goods, to be auctioned off at the slave market. It's a tough world. The poor wretch threw himself at the king's feet and begged, Give me a chance. I'll pay it back. Although it would have taken 10,000 years at that point. Touched by his plea, the king let him off, erasing all the debt. The servant was no sooner out of the room when he came upon one of his fellow servants who owed him 10 bucks. He seized him by the throat and demanded, pay up now. The poor wretch threw himself down and begged to give me a chance and I'll pay it back. But he wouldn't do it. He had him arrested, put into jail until the debt was paid. When the other servants saw this going on, they were outraged and brought a detailed report to the king. So the king summoned the man and said, You evil servant, I forgave your entire debt when you begged me for mercy. Shouldn't you be compelled to be merciful to your fellow servant who asked for mercy? The king was furious and put the screws to the man until he paid back his entire debt. And that's exactly. What my Father in heaven is going to do to each one of you who doesn't forgive unconditionally anyone who asks for mercy. This is the word of the Lord. Don't you find it amusing that we spend so much time and energy worried about all the carnal sins, those bodily sins? without really spending much time at all worried about the spiritual sins that we commit. Yet as I understand it and read the New Testament, it is just the spiritual sins that Jesus spends 10 to one time, more times on than the carnal sins. For he sees the spiritual sin of greatest sinfulness as our unwillingness or inability to forgive others. Based on my own life, plenty of times I've needed forgiveness and those times I've needed to forgive, as well as those of you, many of you who've trusted your stories of like manner with me, Jesus' emphasis on the spiritual side, that is confession, forgiveness, reconciliation, restoration, is so important that he's willing to scare us to death if we do not follow it. So he tells this parable. Parable of the unjust steward who was forgiven a gazillion dollars and wouldn't forgive two from another person. So when the king found out, he threw him into prison where he paid a huge price. And what I think Jesus is saying is that if we do not choose to forgive those that have harmed us, then we are imprisoned too and have to pay a price of our own. Not just spiritually, but as data shows, when we carry those things with us, our body pays a price too. The usual impulsive Peter steps up. This passage, by the way, comes just two chapters after Jesus has already told His disciples, revealed to them in Matthew for the first time that He is going to have to go to Jerusalem and be presented to the chief priests and the leaders in the temple and be accused and ultimately there He will die and be raised again. And Peter jumped in and said, No, not you, Jesus. Jesus. And Jesus said, get behind me, Peter, Satan. For Peter refused to admit that the cost of forgiveness always has a cross in it. So here's Peter again, dealing with the issue. Jesus, Master, how many times do I have to forgive somebody? Seven times enough? Jesus knew what he was doing. He wanted an attaboy pat on the back. So Jesus tells him, guess what, Peter? Seven won't even come close. It's seven times 70. Now, seven was important as the number used by Peter and Jesus because if you remember the creation story, God created the new universe in seven days. That story does not mean seven actual 24 hour days, it means seven as the perfect symbolic number in, in Judaism. For what it takes to go from beginning to end of completion, seven, and on the seventh day you rest." So in this symbolic seven-day period, God created a whole new universe. God brought order out of the waters of chaos. God brought light into the darkness. God created uh, the heavens and the earth. God split the water from the land. God created the animals, the birds, the fish. And then God on the sixth day created we humans, us humans in God's image. And on the seventh day, God rested. And there's your seven days. And and I mean, why wouldn't seven work, right? And, And Jesus says hyperbolically, it doesn't even come close. It's seven times 70. And what he's saying, I think, to Peter and to us is, you can't keep score on this. You try to keep score, but I've forgiven you three times, and you have yet to accept it. Every time I forgive you, you just come back and do the same thing. Jesus is saying, you can't keep score on this. You want to keep score? It's seven times 70. It's beyond your imagination. So like this first creation, if there's going to be any forgiveness going on, it's going to be God's hand that does it. God's hand that reaches down into the chaos of our lives, just like into the waters of chaos, and brings light back into the darkness and affirmament back into the flood, and human beings in God's image back into the relationships, it's gonna take a new creation of God to bring true forgiveness, because we do not have it in ourselves to do it. We keep score. It is natural to keep score. Nature is unforgiving. Ask Morocco, Or Libya. Sharks, rattlesnakes, Vladimir Putin do not have the powers in them to forgive. And you know what? This is the natural course of natural life. It is unforgiving. Which is why there has to be some supernatural entrance in of God's unbelievable unforgiveness into our world and into our lives for us to be able to find the power and the will to forgive others who have hurt us. For forgiveness is not the natural way of life. We keep score, only the strong survive. Evolution is about that, right? Power is about that. It's about score keeping the strong. Wasn't it Ted Turner who once said in his billions Uh, Christianity is for losers. And another important business person who quoted, winners never lose. Winners never forgive. Winners get back. This is nature at its best and at its worst, which is why something bigger than nature Has to come into this place of ours and help us see a new way. But here's the deal the way that is new always has a cross in it. And what I mean by that is the one who has been hurt and injured is the one who has to pick up the cross and follow Jesus to carry the cross. So it's almost a double hurt. Not only am I the one hurt, but I'm also the one who has to forgive, whether that person even asked for it or not. And that's what Jesus means by follow me, follow my way. My cross is the way of Christ's suffering, a suffering that was given to us and from us by Jesus, from God. Not because God keeps score. Not because God demands that a price be paid because we're such terrible sinners, but because we need the score balanced. We need proof of God's amazing love that God is willing to come into this world and go to the cross in order to give us proof that we will not be abandoned and that we will be forgiven by God's mercy. It turns it all on its head. God doesn't need to balance the books. We do. So Jesus tells us to his disciples that you must deny yourselves and pick up your cross and follow me. And what he's talking about, if anything, is about the cost that it takes for us to forgive others. We've been hurt we've been wrong and now we've got to do the painful hard practice and work of forgiving somebody that may not even want it or know they need it i think the question for each of us is are we willing to do this work even if it takes seven times seventy times enough times as it takes for a whole new creation to be born by the Spirit of God as it washes over us and washes off those nasty, ugly waters of chaos. Will will we do it enough to help bring new things to bear? And can we do it together because we can't do it alone and we need each other? That's what baptism tells us as much as anything, that we're now brothers and sisters in this practice of learning how to forgive ourselves and each other in the way God forgives us. And so this is the point to the nuns and the, and, and the spiritual but not religious. Where is your community of practice where you practice together these disciplines of reconciliation and forgiveness? Where do you find this supernatural presence of God in Jesus Christ that's willing to pay the price for our sakes out there in your world? It may be there, but how do you practice it? That would be my question, because I don't think we do it alone. We need each other. It takes two Because wherever two or more, there is the Spirit. Not only that, it takes a lifetime of practice. Trying to forgive too soon because, well, I just want things to get back to normal, so I forgive you, or saying I'm sorry too soon because I want things to get back in balance, doesn't work. Maybe Jesus says you do it 7 times 70 because he's saying it's going to take a long time, longer than you think, because after the hurt and the offense, guess what? It ain't gonna come back to normal. I had a woman come visit me about six years ago. I was uh, one of I was her pastor, and, and I knew that her husband had done something really, really ugly to her. Um, and uh, she came to see me to confess that she was doing all she could to forgive him. I said, "How long has it been?" she said 3 months she said you think you're going to forgive him in 3 months she goes well i need to i, I, I want i want to because I, i'm willing to do whatever it takes for us to get back to the way it was she says never going to get back to the way it was it won't be normal as the way you knew it then but it will be if you work on this a new normal a new possibility a new creation even better and greater than the one you have now. But it's going to take work, a lot of time and work. You ever notice how easy it is for us to hold our grudges, to carry them on our sleeves? and I mean, they're like our little pets that we keep in our laps and just stroke and nurture them, and we're just so proud of those little grudgy pets. (laughs) David Brooks said in his book, as much about his own story of forgiveness as ours, called The Second Mountain. He said, we all know people who nurse eternal grievances. They don't get the respect they deserve. They live their lives as an endless tantrum about some wrong done to them long ago. They get their energy out of playing the victim. But for others, this dark valley is, making, is the making of them. When someone does something to them that interrupts the superficial flow of everyday life, they see deeper into themselves and realize that down in that substrate, flowing from all the tender places, there is a fundamental ability to care, a yearning to transcend the self and care and forgive others. And when they have encountered this yearning, They are ready to become a whole person by the grace of God. They see familiar things with new eyes. They are finally able to love their neighbor as themselves, not as a slogan, but a practical reality. They are finally able to forgive their debts as they have been forgiven. They have been washed in the waters of God's unconditional love and forgiveness. The great Duke, humanist, Reynolds Price, English professor, now late Reynolds Price, went to bed one night and had a vision, not a dream, a vision, it was clear that it was a vision. And the vision was that he woke up lying on the beach, many of you know this story, and he pulls his head up and he sees other men lying around him And everybody's dressed like they did in Jesus' day. And he sees a lake 20 or 30 feet off from the sandy beach. And and he sees all of a sudden Jesus standing there 10 feet from him. And Jesus says to Reynolds Price, who has just been diagnosed with spinal cancer a month before, and cannot walk. He says to him, stand up, Reynolds. Follow me. And he stood up in his vision. And he follows Jesus out into the water, waist deep. And Jesus gets out there. And like every good Baptist, he reaches out and grabs Reynolds by the shoulders and flops him down on his back underwater and holds them there long enough to understand that, you know, this is meant to be like death. And then pulls him back up out of the water. And looks at Reynolds and says, "Reynolds, all your sins have been forgiven, you." Reynolds stood there, and Jesus starts walking out of the water, back up on the beach, and Reynolds says, "Oh, well, Jesus, what about my cancer?" And Jesus, huh, that too." And for Reynolds, it was that moment of understanding the power of God's forgiveness, that supernatural power to come unto us and heal us in body and in soul. Now I need to say, on this side of heaven, we cannot expect the world to work this way. We can't expect it in communities who practice it like this church. But the world doesn't work this way. The world keeps score. And and, and in fact, it needs to. There needs to be government. There needs to be law. There needs to be justice and consequences. We have to keep score on this side of heaven because evil damn well does. And if we do not pay attention to that, it will just run all over us on this side of heaven. But from time to time... In places like this, or in our own hearts, we can choose instead to follow Christ's way. And pick up the cross. And find in that cross the pain of God's love that gives us forgiveness and our neighbors and brings reconciliation which is and will become the most natural thing in the new world of God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we work for. It takes seven times 70 times 700 billion times. It doesn't matter. We just do the work because that's what we do on this side of the kingdom of God let us pray oh god be present with us in your spirit come to us in those places where we need to forgive or we need forgiveness help us pick up our crosses and represent you as you have represented us in christ's name amen